Welcome to Crucial Conversations with Dr. Mia L. Johnson, licensed psychotherapist. The purpose of this podcast is to bring about self-awareness as it relates to your thinking patterns, feelings, communication style, ability to regulate your emotions, and respond to difficult situations. These crucial conversations are designed to empower and encourage you to enhance your self-knowledge, self-discipline, self-consciousness, and empathy for others. The title of today's episode is, You Can Lead a Horse to Water, But You Can't Make It Drink. The topic of discussion for today's episode is external factors versus internal factors. So today we're exploring and identifying what we have control over versus what we do not have control over. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink is a proverb, which basically means you can give someone an opportunity. You can give someone information. You can offer someone guidance, but you cannot force them to take it or receive it. So for example, I gave Tom the email address of the person in charge of hiring, but he still didn't contact him about the job. Me giving Tom the email address of the person in charge of hiring is an example of me leading the horse to water. Tom not taking advantage of the opportunity and actually contacting the person about the job is Tom not drinking the water, the horse not drinking the water. So today we're talking about what we have control over and what we have control over relates to leading the horse to water. That's within our control, offering someone an opportunity, providing someone with guidance versus you can't make the the horse drink the water. That's the external part or the external factors where, where you have no control over the person actually receiving the information implementing the information or pursuing whatever you've offered. So let's talk about the differentiation between internal versus external factors. Internal factors are basically what we have control over. And what we have control over are our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. So an example, you control what you think. And remember, we think before we feel. So we control what we think. And in turn, that elicits feelings. Our thoughts coupled with our feelings leads to our behavior, which also equals our actions. So we are, again, in control of our own thoughts, feelings and actions. What we do not have control over are other people's thoughts, feelings and actions. But what we primarily stress over are external factors, what we have no control over. So an example, we stress over what our kids are doing, what they're not doing. We stress over like family members or friends who may be ill. We stress over what our coworkers are doing at work or not doing. Someone else's behavior may be a primary stressor as well for some of us. So those would be examples of external factors. Now, remember, the internal factors are what we actually have control over. So an example, you have control over showing up to work on time, turning in your work on time, contributing to a project at work, giving your opinion, offering guidance or making suggestions. 
All those are within your control. But we tend to stress over how other people are contributing, when other people are contributing, what are other people getting away with at work, like clocking in late, calling off, not being team players, not being written up. Those are primarily the external factors that we become fixated on. And those are what primarily stresses us out, the external factors. So again, today we're focused on what we have control over, which again equates to internal factors versus what we do not have control over, which equates to external factors. So let's talk about the different types of stress before I cognitively challenge you to take a moment and identify what are your primary stressors. So stress is basically a response that's not specific, but it's a response of the body or the body's reaction to a very demanding situation. There are different types of stress. One form of stress is called eustress. Eustress is actually a positive type of stress. It's the result of something good we react to. So like an example, you may be excited about a roller coaster ride, a visit from someone special, the stress you receive from a scary movie, watching a scary movie, or a fun challenge. All of those are examples of you stress. The anticipation of a first date, a first kiss, a new job, the first day of school are also examples of you stress. And you stress is a type of stress that is actually important for us to have in our lives because it's a matter of having balance. And again, it's a more positive form of stress. On the other hand, we have distress. And this results from something bad and we react negatively to it. So maybe the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the severing of a relationship, going through a divorce, kids giving trouble in school, a family member getting arrested, a family member or friend being on drugs. These are examples of bad situations that could possibly trigger distress. Okay. What actually causes stress? Stressors. And we can break those down into three categories. There's physical stress, emotional stress, uh, social stress. So let's talk about uh, stressors. These are basically things that cause, yeah, stress. So almost everything is a stressor depending on the individual. Because remember, you stress is a positive form of stress as opposed to distress, which is a negative form of stress. So some relatable stressors may be family relationships, um, school, work, peer groups, friends, discrimination, dealing with injury or sickness, dealing with just feeling fatigue or any other major changes. All of those are classified as stressors. Let's talk about physical stressors first. So physical stressors are physical conditions of your body and the environment that affect your physical well-being. So like an example of a physical stressor would be thirst, hunger, lack of sleep, insomnia, uh, sickness, accidents or anything that's catastrophic. Those would be examples of physical stressors. On the other hand, we have emotional stressors. 
And emotional stressors are the stressors that primarily affect your physical and emotional well-being. So examples of emotional stressors would be worry, anxiety, fear, grief, depression, or anger. Those, again, are examples of emotional stressors. And then we have social stressors. So social stressors arise from your relationships with other people. So that can be your relationship with a boss, your employees, employers, peers, friends, family, and teachers alike. Those would be considered social stressors. How do we react to stressors? Basically, the body goes through three stages under stress. The first is an alarm stage, which most of us refer to as fight or flight. So this is when the body reacts to the physical, emotional, and our social stressor. So anything that causes you to worry or get anxious and are excited or anything that causes any form of emotional or physical changes that those things can start an alarm reaction. And remember, there are three stages our body goes through under stress. And again, the first stage is the alarm stage. Fight or flight falls under the it occurs under the alarm stage. And this is the body's natural protective technique. The body's automatically going to go into fight or flight mode. We react the same to both positive and negative types of stress through fight or flight. During the alarm phase, adrenaline is released. And that's basically a chemical that gives our body energy to perform physical acts. So in an emergency, our adrenaline amount rises. It increases. Let's talk about stage two. Stage two is called resistance. So in stage two, the resistance stage, the immune system starts to resist or fight the stressor. So you may feel tired, exasperated, and very impatient when it comes to trivial matters during the resistance stage. You may miss your sleep schedule. Your sleep pattern could possibly be off. And then you find your resistance decreasing or lowering. So normal indications of this level are fatigue, exhaustion, anxiousness, and being forgetful. Stage three is the exhaustion stage. In extreme cases, our body is unable to handle the stress and it usually succumbs to the stressor. And we call this the exhaustion phase. So we may become sick or medical treatment may become necessary. So if the stressor is just too great, too too massive, as in the case of disease that the body cannot fight, unfortunately, death can actually occur. That's how serious it is to be in tune with what stresses you out and identify and explore healthy ways to manage your stress level. So how does our body react to stress? An example, you might have allergy flare-ups, acne flare-ups, insomnia, you'll have difficulty sleeping. You may even have some back aches. You may sweat profusely. Migraines. Migraines would be another way our body reacts to stress. Shortness of breath, neck aches. Sometimes your vision can be become blurred if you're too stressed. The inability to focus or pay attention can occur. You can have increased blood pressure, experience lightheadedness, constipation, diarrhea, upset stomach, gastrointestinal issues can occur when the body is stressed, when you're feeling stressed. 
irregular heartbeat, tightness in your throat or your chest can occur, extreme fatigue, muscle tension, trembling, and muscle spasms, and even vomiting. This is how our bodies react when we are extremely stressed. So the nation's number one killer, according to research and medically proven research, is stress. And some of those key medical issues that stress contributes to and are causes would be heart disease, strokes, high blood pressure, colitis, migraines, diabetes, the hardening of arteries, sexual dysfunction, insomnia, skin diseases, allergies, kidney disorders, ulcers, breathing problems, asthma, etc. So this is a pretty big deal, especially if someone has undergone a series of testing and all the tests continue to come back normal, then it's probably more than likely time to seek the help or assistance of a mental health professional because stress could be a key contributor to some of the physical symptoms you're feeling. Emotional effects of stress include upset or nervous feelings, feelings of anger or anxiety, even frequently criticizing others, like taking taking out your emotions or feelings on others, frustration, forgetfulness, again, inattentiveness, not being able to focus. It can impede your ability to make decisions. It can make you very irritable. It can allow you to have displaced anger where you're taking it out on others who actually have nothing to do with what you're dealing with. It can decrease your motivation. It can also contribute to mild depression and it can also affect your appetite. You can overeat or you can not eat enough. It can also decrease the amount of food that you eat or desire to eat. Let's talk about physical effects. So it increases stomach acid. Stress can increase stomach acid and it can create or irritate ulcers. High blood pressure can lead to heart disease and other disorders and physical effects of stress also lower the effectiveness of the immune system. And it can also contribute to cancer or severe illness can occur. Now that we've defined stress, we've described the difference between eustress and distress. We've identified many causes of stress. We've identified the different types of stressors and we've described how stress can affect the body. Let's take a moment. And I really want you to apply what we've talked about today to self, apply it to you. I want you to take a moment to think about what one of your primary stressors is. What's something that you are primarily stressing over today, now, in the here and now? What are you primarily stressing over? Take a moment and really give that some thought. And now that you've identified this primary stressor, Ask yourself, is it within my control or outside of my control? Ask yourself, is this primary stressor within your control or outside of your control? So an example, if one of your stressors is my friend just found out she has cancer. Ask yourself, Is my friend receiving this news and having this illness within my control or outside of my control? And in this particular example, the answer would be outside of my control. And that would make it an external factor. 
And remember, I said most of what we become fixated over and are stressed about is outside of our control. For those who are Christians, Catholics alike, those who are very spiritual, it's basically the serenity prayer. God help me to accept the things I cannot change. And from a mental health standpoint, it's basically you being able to identify what's within your control and what's outside of your control and what's outside of your control. You cannot change. So back to the same example, you can't change someone receiving a bad diagnosis or a negative prognosis. You can't change someone stealing out of a store, losing a job, someone getting arrested. These are the things we stress over. These are things we stress over. You can't change or control someone no longer wanting to be in a relationship with you. It could be a friendship, an intimate relationship, etc. Those are external factors, situations, things that are outside of your control. And so the first step to trying to manage your stress, your level of stress in a healthy way is to identify what are your stressors. You know, for some people, it may be singular. What is your stressor? For others, it may be plural. What are your stressors? But step one is to identify what is primarily stressing you, stressing you out. And then step two is to identify, is this stressor within my control or outside of my control, internal or external? If the stressor is within your control, Ask yourself, what can I do? What is within my control to address the stressor, to decrease the level of stress I'm feeling? So like a stressor that may be within your control is you showing up to work late every morning. You're showing up to work late every morning. That's an internal factor. That's within your control because you control how early you wake up to get to work, et cetera. Now, yes, there may be some outliers or extraneous variables such as traffic that may contribute to you being late. But ultimately, if this is something you're consistently doing, being late, then it's within your control to manage your time more effectively. What's outside of your control in this situation would be your boss being understanding and are writing you up are telling you like, hey, if you continue with this behavior, we're going to have to terminate your employment. That's outside of your control. So if the stressor is that you're constantly late for work, focus on what you have control over, maybe going to bed a little earlier, waking up a little earlier, taking another route to work, purchasing a toll tag if you're in a huge city and maybe you can get to work a few minutes earlier via toll instead of the uh, freeway. Some people say causeway, depending what city you live in. Focus on what's within your control, carpooling, park and ride. For those of you who live in cities where they offer metropolitan transportation services, just ask yourself what's within your control. Looking for another job if the current job is too far out. And the expectation of getting there at seven in the morning is unrealistic. What's within your control is to possibly start looking for another job. Those are just examples of what we have control over as opposed to becoming fixated on my boss is a witch. She's going to write me up. My boss has written me up. Alexa has been uh, 
tardy and she has not been placed on a performance improvement plan, like if Alexa is a coworker, an example, those are things that are outside of your control. For a lack of a better phrase, it's basically like minding your business, trying to mind your business. Because most of what's stressing you out, nine out of 10, again, is outside of your control and really is not directly connected to you. Not directly connected to you. It may be indirectly connected to you in the sense that it may be happening to someone you care about, someone you love, someone you support, someone you want to see succeed and do better in life. But again, that's outside of your control. And I know it's easier said than done to just kind of like focus on self. My recommendation is definitely not to be a selfish person and just ignore the world and what's happening around you. That is not the takeaway from this episode. The takeaway as it relates to self-actualization, which basically equates to you, is focus on what you can change. Focus on the internal factors. Another example I'll use is, let's say one of your kids, for those of you who have kids, for those of you who don't, just imagine this scenario. And imagine having a kid and maybe you're, son or daughter is 18 years old. Your son or daughter gets into trouble, legal trouble. Maybe he or she stole something out of the mall and has gotten arrested. Okay. Stealing out of the mall, totally outside of your control. Your son or daughter stealing out of the mall, outside of your control. What's within your control is to make a decision to possibly help him or her or aid him or her as they go through the process of suffering a consequence, which more than likely would be some jail time, going to court, going before a judge, being placed on probation. That's like some ine inevitable consequences that are outside of your control that your son or daughter just may have to experience on his or her own. But what's within your control is to make a decision to either sit back and let him or her learn a lesson, pay for an attorney, give him or her advice on how to handle the situation, visit him or her in jail if they are incarcerated, if he or she is incarcerated. But you being focused and fixated and stressed over the consequence, the possible consequence, like jail time, a citation, probation, loss of employment, being banned from the mall. All of those are outside of your control when it comes to this situation. But those are the things, our stressors we tend to focus on as opposed to focusing on what you can do or cannot do in the situation or can change or cannot change in the situation. So that's the ultimate takeaway from this episode. The ultimate takeaway is to identify what's within your control, identify what's within your control and accept what you cannot control and our change. So with that being said, in closing, let's talk about different ways you could possibly manage your stress. So like one of the best and most productive ways to handle stress is to exercise. Like exercise releases stress because it reduces chemicals in the body called endorphins. So exercise can be a key contributor to, to decreasing and managing your stress. Something else you can do is eat a healthy diet. Your diet can create a great deal of stress within your body and its systems. So your body cannot function properly without adequate nutrition. So definitely eat three healthy meals each day. Get enough sleep. 
Lack of sleep can definitely contribute to distress and can make decision making difficult. You should get at least eight hours of sleep each day. Other ways to manage stress would include avoiding unnecessary distressful situations, which equates to situations that don't necessarily concern you. Tackling one thing at a time, like instead of looking at things holistically, start with step one, step two, step three. Because when you look at it holistically, it basically turns into a ball of yarn. It snowballs. And then you don't know how to unravel that ball of yarns. So tackle one thing at a time. Take action. Try not to procrastinate. Try to be solution focused as opposed to just focused on the problem. Manage your time effectively. Try not to let little things bother you. Accept what cannot be changed. Think positively. We know that our thoughts... Our thoughts drive how we feel and ultimately what our behavior is. So think positively. Allow your thoughts to be based on facts and evidence instead of allowing your thoughts to become anxiety producing, instead of allowing your thoughts to be irrational. Then find a way to relax your muscles. Reduce tension. Muscle relaxation, imagery, meditation, yoga, listening to a podcast, etc. Those are also ways to manage stress. Stress management is definitely individualized. So try to find out what works for you. What works for me may not work for you. As you listen to these episodes, think about throwing spaghetti at the wall. Everything we discuss, discover, describe, or understand may not be of use to you. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Hopefully something will stick. So explore a variety of stress-reducing strategies and do what works best for you. The better you become at handling stress and stressful situations, the healthier you will become. So in closing, me sharing this information with you today about the different types of stress, the different stages, etc., that's me leading the horse to water. This is what I have control over, sharing information. Now, Remember, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make it drink. So it's up to you to actually drink the water, which for me is an external factor. You actually drinking the water and applying what you've learned today. But hopefully you will take the initiative so that you can become better at handling your stress. Hopefully you'll take the initiative to to apply some of what we talked about today.